Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with all of you, and it is my privilege to have the opportunity to share with you this morning from God's Word and to share a little bit of how God has been working in my life, especially in these last few months. I do want to admit that this is my first time preaching, so cut me some slack. Um, but I always said that I never wanted to preach. You can, my parents can back me up on this. I never wanted to do it. It wasn't who I was. I had no aspirations. I can't speak in public. I'm not going to do it. And yet here I am. And that doesn't really say anything about me as much as it says what it says about Jesus and his faithfulness and working out his plan in my life, in your life, and what he wants to do. And sometimes we drag our feet along the way. And it makes things a little bit more difficult than it has to be. But God is faithful. And I love what uh, Pastor Bert said about a month ago when he spoke. He said, I'm just up here to brag about Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, a couple months ago, we started a guys' young adult group here at the church. Um, we meet about every other week. We go out to dinner with each other. We hang out. We have some fun. We do share uh, a little bit of scripture, what's going on in each other's lives. And there was this one night where we were meeting at my house out back, and I was trying to figure out what topic we were going to discuss. What, did, what was it that God wanted to say to us? And he brought me to a very familiar passage. It was Psalm 23. We're all familiar with Psalm 23. And I was curious why God wanted us to read through this. And as our group began to meet, I, and the guys started sharing about how their week was going, I started to see a theme. Everyone is really, really busy. Everyone is either overwhelmed with one thing or another, and everyone is experiencing some sort of fatigue. And then I saw what God was wanting to say to us. It became clear to me. And he brought a question to my mind, which was shared with the group. It was this, how is your soul being restored daily? And so I want to ask you that same question this morning. In the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the chaos, how is it with your soul this morning? Is the tank full? Are you about a quarter of a tank? Or are some of us running on fumes right now? This morning, wherever your soul may be, we find good news in the Psalm 23 passage. We find that our God is the kind of God who leads us to soul restoration. Amen? Amen. So we're going to read that passage together. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to focus on the first three verses. There's only six, and we're going to read all six. We're going to focus on the first three this morning. It says this. This is from a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. 
And so David starts off with this psalm saying, he calls the Lord my shepherd. Throughout the psalms and all of scripture, we, saw, we see God referenced as king, as Lord. He is a mighty God. He is holy. He is above all creation. His greatness is far beyond anything that we can imagine. But David calls him shepherd. First of all, David was a shepherd before he was ever king. He grew up uh, as a shepherd tending to his family's flock. He led them. He protected them, watched over them, made sure that they were fed, and went after them when they wandered off. You see, he was speaking within his context. And he doesn't just call God shepherd. He calls him my shepherd. Calls him my shepherd. The Lord God, Yahweh, is my shepherd. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying that God, who is holy and mighty, who is above all things, is also intimate and personal. In John chapter 10, it shows us the kind of shepherd that God is. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He left heaven to come down to earth in our brokenness because he loved us and gave his life for us. That is the gospel. That is the kind of shepherd that he is. And if David is calling God a shepherd, then what do you think he's saying about himself? He's saying he's a sheep. You see, David, as, since he was a shepherd, he knows all about sheep. And here's the thing about sheep. They're not the brightest animal in the animal kingdom. They're not very smart. They can't really defend themselves against predators. That's why they need the shepherd. They're very stubborn animals. They don't know when they need to rest. They continue to wander around without rest and without food until the heat, that Mediterranean heat, just slowly takes them and eventually they die. Sheep don't know what is good for them or what is bad for them. And David is saying, that's me. In view of God as my shepherd, I am the sheep and I need him to lead me or else I wander, I struggle, and I sin. You see, one of the things I want you to see here in this section, the first step towards soul restoration is recognizing that you're not the shepherd. You're the sheep. It's recognizing that you're not the one who should be doing all the leading because you can't lead yourself to soul restoration. Only God can do that. What's interesting is that I find out that God refers to his people as sheep over 200 times in scripture. So what do you think that says about God's people? We wander, we struggle, and we don't follow very well, and we need a shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have all turned to his own way. And in Psalm 5, 8, David says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Make my way straight before the Lord. He understood that he needed a shepherd to lead him. And Jesus says in that same John 10 passage, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Are you listening to the voice of your shepherd? And so he calls the Lord his shepherd, and then he says what? I shall not want... In other, translation, in other translations, it says, I lack nothing. There is nothing I need. Because God is my shepherd, I have everything. I lack nothing. He provides everything that I need. Can you say that this morning? Are you confident in the fact that because God is your shepherd, that you don't need anything else? 
I know that we all go through times of struggle, of loss, where we feel like we're going through the valley and we feel like God is far from us. But what's interesting, David has also felt that way. In the previous chapter, Psalm 22, he says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. He says that in the previous chapter, that it feels like God is so far. Where are you? I need you. And yet, in chapter 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So what changed in that time? I think there's an important point that we need to learn here, and David realized this, and I want you to listen, that there is no point in your life where your shepherd is not providing all that you need. I'm gonna say that one more time. There is no point in your life where your shepherd is not providing all that you need. So how does God provide all that you need? Let's move on. So the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What's interesting about this verse, he makes me, David doesn't say I get to or I like to lie down, he makes me. Because sheep don't like to rest, they continue on. And so David is saying, I need to be made to rest or else I keep going, I don't stop. I need the Lord to make me lie down. You see, we live in a very busy culture. We go nonstop all day long. We get up early. We stay up late. We overwork ourselves. And if we're not attending some event or activity, we're on social media, continuing to live our life, even in the stillness. We need to rest. And here's the thing. I'm guilty of this. I do this as well. In Psalm 127, it says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The Lord need, knows that you need to rest. We have a shepherd who knows us, and sometimes he has to make us stop and rest. Because if we don't, and we continue without stopping, we eventually hit a wall. And we've all kind of had that happen at some point in our lives. We go until we can't go anymore, and it leaves us in a very unhealthy and a very draining situation. And we'll never feel like we have enough in the tank. And so the Lord leads us to a place of rest. And he provides us with the right kind of rest. It's not about just getting your 10 hours of sleep at night. No. Six, 13 hours, is that what someone said? It's not just about sleep. It's about tending to the needs of your soul to be restored. Sometimes it's about solitude. I'm not talking about isolation, isolating yourself from everyone and just being alone. It's about solitude so that you can just sit in the presence of God, just stopping for a moment to feed on his word and allowing him to give us his spirit so that we can be renewed. That's why the Lord gives us the Sabbath. It's time that we surrender to him. We stop working, we stop toiling, we stop trying to achieve, to, uh, to have self-worth. We recognize that it is God that our self-worth and our source of strength comes from. And so we stop and we rest. And here's the thing, there are good kinds of rest and there are times when we think that we're resting when we're really not. You see, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld. 
I like, it's one of my favorite shows, and it's a show about nothing, so it's very easy. Actually, it's a show about everything, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I will just put it on the TV and just sit there for hours and just watch and not have to think about anything. And here's the thing. That is not rest. I think it's rest. I, I need, it's like I'm taking a break from the busyness, but it doesn't give me energy. It doesn't breathe life into my soul. It numbs me from what is going on. And I'm not saying that watching TV is bad, that you can't do that, take a break, sit down, because sometimes we need to do that. But it's about stopping and resting him and also feeding and nurturing our souls and allowing his grace to fill our lives. For, for me personally, with my devotional life, uh, it's very easy for me to come here to the church in the morning, go straight into the office, turn on the computer, and just start working. It's just, I'm always thinking about something, worrying about something, and I just don't stop. But then I have to remember that I need time in the morning to be quiet and still before the Lord. So what I do is I come in here to the sanctuary. Sometimes I run into Dennis. Sometimes he's, he's in here praying, and it's always a blessing to see him in here. But uh, I've been going through a, a devotional called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And what it requires is you start with two minutes of silence. So I've set my alarm on my phone for two minutes, very regimented. I read through the devotional, through the passage. There's a prayer at the end. Then it says to end with two minutes of silence, of just being quiet and being still so that I can hear his voice. You see, I'm a very different person on the times on the days that I don't stop and listen. I'm a very different person. I don't know how anyone puts up with me on those days. I don't know how Jesse and the staff, it's like, oh, Sam probably didn't do his devotions this morning. <laughs> but I can tell you on the mornings that I stop, when I read God's word and allow it to speak into my heart, into my life, the lens through which I look at everything else changes. It's completely different. How I view others is different. How I respond to everyone else in relationships, how I'm gracious to others, how I come to problems and struggles, my response is different because I'm looking through the lens of the gospel. I'm looking through the lens of the Holy Spirit. You see, in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we find our source of strength through his word, working itself in our lives and working in our hearts and changing us to have a proper view of God and a proper view of ourselves. And so by stopping and resting, feeding on his worth, he, he gives us the life and energy we need and the grace to love one another. And this is where the devil likes to get a foothold on us. You see, he doesn't want us to stop. He wants us to keep going. He wants you to get tired. He wants you to believe that you don't need rest, that you're self-sufficient, that you're good, you don't need anything until you utterly destroy yourself. Until you are weakened enough that we allow the lies and we allow a negativity to start creeping into our mind. See, when we're tired, when we're worn out, that's when we start thinking negative thoughts. It's like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm burnt out. I don't want it anymore. And he wants you to think that you're actually invincible so that when you're weakened and vulnerable, he can make his move. You see, the enemy wants to distract you from listening to God's voice. And so for you, what are the green pastures that God has been leading you to so you can rest and hear his voice? And no, Chick-fil-A doesn't count, Matt. 
Um, he wants you to be still and know that I am God. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. I lack nothing. And he leads me to places where I can rest and experience his abundance. And then what does he say? He leads me beside the still waters. You see, here's the thing about sheep as well. The shepherd knows that the sheep won't drink from a busy stream, from loud, rushing waters. Sheep are very skittish. They become afraid and anxious, and they won't drink. And he knows that in order to get them to drink, he has to lead them to the calm part of the water. You see, God knows the right places and conditions that are needed for you to be restored. He knows your fears. He knows what worries you. He, know, he is aware of your weaknesses and your strengths. He knows what drains you and what gives you life. The shepherd knows that the sheep can't drink from the rushing waters, and so he leads them to quiet, still waters so that they can drink and be refreshed. God knows this about you as well. He doesn't just take you to a place of rest so that, you, so that we can be replenished and given a daily filling of his grace so that we can enjoy him, be satisfied in him, and be overflowing with his love so that we are enabled to love each other. He leads us to a place that he knows that we will receive it and experience him fully. Sometimes it's in a very random, unexpected situation. I know a lot of us have had that where God just shows up and we weren't expecting it, and it just changes everything. And here's the thing. I know that some of us are already dealing with a lot this morning. You are tired. You are frustrated. And some of you are carrying, about, carrying on you shame and guilt that you won't let go of. And you, or you're afraid of a situation that's not working out in your life. And God wants to deal with with those things. He knows that because you hold on to those things that you won't drink. He knows that if you continue on just being held by your fears, by your sin, by your struggles, that you won't drink and you won't be renewed, you won't find new life. And so he brings you to a place where you can experience that. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, he wants to give you peace in his heart, and how one of the ways that he does that is through prayer. That's one of the reasons why I love our prayer gatherings where we can come and what we do is we give him our fears, we give him our struggles, we give him our desires, the things that we long for, the things that we need, and we become dependent on him to lead us. You see, Jesus wants to lead you out of the pit you are in, the valley, out of your sin, out of unhealthy relationships, out of a place of worry. He wants to take the burden off of you. He wants to bring you the things that are weighing you down to him in prayer so that he can restore you and lift you up, give you a renewed life, a renewed hope. And he wants to remind you of the thing that we often forget, that he loves us and that we belong to him. We do not belong to anything else. We do not belong to the fears, to the struggles, to the shame that we are feeling and holding on to. He wants us to let it go, and he wants us to drink from the cool spring, the cool waters, so that we can receive his spirit and be renewed and find new life in him and no longer be living under sin and bondage. 
in that same John 10 passage, Jesus also says, I give them eternal life and, and they shall never perish. Perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the, my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Jesus, our shepherd, we are his sheep. We belong to him, and he gives us life, and nothing in this world can take us from relationship with him. And here's the thing. Just, just a quick little thing here. One of the things that kills our prayer life is anxiety. It's hard for us to come to the Lord when we are holding on to these things, when we are struggling. And yet prayer is one of the strongest things that deals with our anxiety. And this isn't just a short time of prayer. This isn't just a thing we check off the box that we do. It is being still and quiet. It is time spent in the presence of God so that in this next part, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters so that he restores my soul. A.W. Tozer once said, In the deep recesses of man's soul lies an overwhelming yearning toward the Creator. There is a common thread through all humanity created in the image of God. Unless and until that desire is fully met, the soul remains restless, constantly striving for that which is ultimately unattainable. See, God is the only one who can satisfy the needs of our hearts. In Isaiah 41, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This is our God who loves us and who wants to satisfy us. And here's the thing. I did not, there was a time in my life where I did not believe that. I'm going to get a little bit personal right now. In 2010, I had uh, an opportunity, the privilege of being part of a church plant uh, out of First Alliance out by UCF. And this was a very uh, amazing experience, a very rewarding time in my life. Uh, people came to Christ through this ministry. Unfortunately, after a few years, for various reasons, the church had to close. And I became, and after that, I stopped going to church for a while. You see, I was very disappointed with how things had worked out with the church. Um, I became burnt out. I was struggling personally. I, I was working a full-time job, labor job, that I was not a huge fan of. I was also going to school full-time, trying to finish my degree while, starting to, while trying to start a new church. And when that worked out, I just became, I was like, I'm tired, I'm done with this. I don't know what to do. I became very unhealthy physically. I weighed almost 300 pounds at that point. And I was struggling with my relationships with other people. And church was the last place that I wanted to be. And I just struggled personally and spiritually. And I just started to wander. But during that time, usually on a Sunday morning, I would go for a drive. I was so used to getting up and going to church, I didn't like just sitting at home. So I'd go and get in the car, go for a drive, sometimes to the store, sometimes drive around and just listen to music. But sometimes while I was driving, I would hear a voice. And that voice said to me, where were you today, Sam? I didn't see you. 
I didn't see you with your family. I didn't see you with your brothers and sisters. And there was something I wanted to give you. And I would hear this voice many times over the next couple of years. On occasion, I would come to First Alliance. Chad would invite me to help out with the worship on Sundays. And some of you who are here today will remember this, who saw me back then and knew that I was struggling. You could see it on my face. I'm a very transparent person. You can tell by the look on my face the kind of day that I'm having. I don't do a good job of hiding it. And I will never forget that time because a lot of you came up to me, asked me how I was doing. You encouraged me. You prayed for me. You told me that God still loves me. He still has a plan. He still wants to work that out in your life. He has not left you. And those were the last things that I wanted to hear. Anyone else been in that situation where you don't want to hear it? Even if it's something good, you don't want to hear it? And here's the thing, even though these were not the things I wanted to hear, they were the most important, life-changing words in my life. I had stopped listening to God. I had stopped following the shepherd. I started allowing the negativity, the burnout, the overwhelming just feelings that I have to take over the negativity. And I stopped, I took my eyes off of Jesus. You see, one of the ways that God restores our souls is through his church. It is through Christ-centered, biblical community. That's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, and let us consider how we may spur each other on to love and good deeds, not forsaking meeting together, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You see, God nurtures our souls through the love and kindness and encouragement from the body of Christ. That's one of the reasons why we encourage y'all to join community groups. And it's not to add to the list of all the things that you have to do in your week. We know that you're busy. It's to give you an opportunity to be loved on, to have truth spoken into your life. So that the word of God can start to work on you. So that you don't have to bear the burdens of this life on your own. It's to allow God to surround you with his body so that your spirit can be renewed. And it's because of that love, that encouragement, that I am here today now. So I am a testimony to how God restores people through his church, and that's one of the reasons why I love this church, and I love being a part of this church family. And so he restores our souls through his word, through renewing us, through truth that he speaks into our lives. He renews us through prayer and through the surrendering of our worries and our struggles and our sin and depending on him to lead us so that he might restore us. And then what does it say? He leads me in paths of righteousness. You see, he restores us so that he can lead us to produce in us a life worthy, as Jesse spoke last week, a life worthy of the calling you have received. In order to live that life, you need the righteousness of God in you. See, God does not want to lead you to a life of destruction, but a life of abundance, a life that produces in you through the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, a righteousness that comes from God alone. So it is not us who is leading, it is the shepherd who is leading us 
to a life that is worthy, a life that brings him glory. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. God wants to restore you, to satisfy the longing of your heart. And we can, what we can do is fully rely on that promise because of the last part of this verse. What does it say? He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. It is all about Jesus. It is all about bringing him glory, all about his, his purposes, what he is doing, redeeming the world. In Ezekiel 36, 36, he says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, This is what your sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. And further down, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So you can count on the fact that God will restore you because it is God's nature to bring glory to himself and God is glorified in the restoration of his people. So this is a promise that we can rest in, that we can feel confident in, that God loves you. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He wants to bring you out of it, out of brokenness, into restoration through his word, through prayer, in his presence, the receiving of his spirit in our lives, which brings abundance, which produces in us righteousness, so that he may be glorified. This is our God who loves us. I want to invite the worship team to come back up as we close our time together. And so what does this mean for us? You see, the ultimate way that God brought about restoration for us, that he restores our souls, that he meets our needs, it's through the cross. We look to the cross because Jesus, our shepherd, he gave his life for us, his sheep, who couldn't do anything without their shepherd, who were lost, who were astray, who was stuck in sin. He came down, and in 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, he says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Do you see that there? So that we might be brought out, be brought to restoration so that his righteousness might be lived in us by his wounds you have been healed. We have been restored through his sacrifice. For you were like sheep who have gone astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. See, Jesus, through his work on the cross, not through anything that we have done, restored our relationship with the Father and brought us back into right relationship to our shepherd who oversees our souls, who wants to restore us. And so I want to ask you again this morning, how is it with your soul? Have you been trying to restore your soul your way? Or have you been trusting God to restore you? Daily, just going to him, trusting him, allowing him to speak to us, to hear his voice. So that we can be renewed, restored, and not have worry or fear and struggle and not have the weight of this world but full dependence on him who loves us who wants to give everything for us 
See, all of us need a renewing power for our lives. And I know that can be hard to admit. It requires surrender. It's hard for us to be dependent on someone else, but we have a good shepherd who loves us, who supplies all of our needs, who renews our strengths, and leads us to a life that is abundant and can be only be found in him. Amen.